0: I'm excited to bring to you this week's guest, uh, Brittany Alexander from the incredible state of Florida. Though I got to admit I really have bad thoughts about Florida right now. But we're going to touch that cover <laughs> that here in just a bit, but Brittany, <laughs> welcome to today's podcast.
1: Thank you, Joel. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad, to, glad to be here.
0: Now, I have interviewed a person uh, on the beach in uh, in Hawaii, and now you are in Fort Lauderdale. I got to tell you right now this week in Kansas City, our average low is zero degrees this week. In fact, it will be negative. I think negative 22 wind chill today. So I am, to say I am jealous would be an understatement. Just, but just tell me, what, what is it like today in Fort Lauderdale?
1: Um, well, yesterday I had brunch outside on a terrace and it was about 80 degrees and sunny with a little bit of a breeze. So I'd oh. say it was just magical.
0: Wow, we have got to do these on location in the future. This is, that <laughs> is just insane. I actually have a client. We have a, a hearing uh, in April in Miami. And so I'll be looking forward to the beaches at least around in the middle of April. But as of now, I guess it's just hole up in your um, your basement time. <laughs> Uh, Now, Brittany, I got to ask, we're going to cover your career, you 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 have an amazing career and Instagram page. I I just could not stop reading your Instagram page. How much time uh, do you spend on your Instagram page?
1: Well, in the beginning, it was a lot. When I first started, it was just me. I was pumping out content like crazy, trying to, you know, make a name for myself, get clients online. But now I've got a team. So, I mean, I I still spend time planning and thinking of ideas and creating actual videos because it is me that you see the videos. Um, but not as much as before. I've got a team that actually edits and posts
0: and everything. Well, I got to know who, who, um, is the one in charge of titling your, um, your post. And I, I'm so old school. I know what you call it. Do you call it post? I used to say, oh, look, he posted something on Twitter. My wife had to say, I don't think it's called posting on Twitter. You might want to double check that. Is I think it...
1: that's called tweeting.
0: Okay. All right. So if Instagram, is it postings? Is that right?
1: I call it posting, but I also may be old. I don't know. I don't hey. know what the kids are calling it these days. I mean, what do you, is it called posting when it's a TikTok? I don't know.
0: That you're well past me now. I have not a clue. <laughs> I I, yeah. I think I've seen some TikToking around, but uh, nonetheless, um, yeah. Whoever writes your <laughs> captions, because I, I I would read the captions and I'd say, okay, I gotta know the answer to this. This, this is very fascinating. Uh, what are the insurance scams that are out there? Uh, LSAT, you know, study tips it's been a while since I'm taking the LSAT, but I'm still interested to know that <laughs> was like, I wish I could just be a professional LSAT, taker, but I'll, I want to cover all of that. But first of all, I just got to relive my misery. Um, are you a football fan? No. Okay, good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like skeptical to tell people about that, but no, I I went to Florida State. So people think that I'm a football fan, like by default, but I think right. I went to like six games my entire time there. Okay. I tailgated every day.
0: All right, so you, you, you got that part of football down.
1: The, I didn't quite get to the actual game. Yeah, I don't normally tell people that.
0: Yeah, well, you, you're from Florida State. We've had a fascinating uh, experience in Florida State uh, on a family <laughs> vacation down to our, from Kansas City to Orlando. Our car Broke down there in, in in Tallahassee, Florida. I did learn when, when we were in Orlando, uh, and we lived in Orlando for a while, that if you wanted to go to South Florida from Orlando, you actually had to go north uh, to Tallahassee. That's kind of where the, uh, the uh, South Florida is. Um, but the reason why I'm saying all this is the Super Bowl was there in Tampa last week. My Kansas City Chiefs absolutely laid an egg last week. And so... I uh, I am the type I can't even open up the the news I can't watch ESPN I'm just I, it's just too raw for, for me right now I can't even read a news report <laughs> maybe in a couple of weeks I can come back and um uh, from under this rock that I'm living in but did you have any exposure to the Super Bowl down there in um, in Fort Lauderdale oddly yes
1: okay. I did actually watch most of the Super Bowl I usually don't. <sighs> But my my boyfriend's dad was down here. So we all watched it together. And it's funny because the only, the only two football players I actually know are Tom Brady, obviously, and Gronkowski. And they were both in the Super Bowl. So I was like, wait, I know these people. I can get involved. But other than that.
0: So you were were pulling for Tampa? Yes. And that concludes today's podcast. It was great having you on. Hope we can talk to you in the future.
1: It's like home team, right? Tampa, Florida, you have to root for the team, your
0: home team. Now, I learned when I lived in Orlando, there really are only two football teams in Florida, and neither one are the Buccaneers, the Dolphins, or the Jaguars. And I know I just said neither and did a list of three, but nonetheless, it is <laughs> Florida State or Florida. And those are the two. Ma- it's like a college football state, and the pros yeah. are kind of an afterthought. But no, I, I get you. It's a, it's a hometown deal. There's a Tampa. So it's just, um, I'm telling you what. I am so I am such a huge football fan. My wife used to have a sign that says "We interrupt this football." We interrupt this marriage to bring you the football season, and that's just kind of how I approach <laughs> football. And um, the sad thing is, I think my son has kind of picked it up. He just definitely uh, he couldn't even watch the second half. He had to just go back to K State where he's going to college because uh, he couldn't even stand watching how bad the team was playing. <laughs> but that's not why you're on. And so let's talk about your your career. <laughs> uh because i'm I, obviously you are there where the ocean is and so you have life is going well for you living in fort lauderdale uh did you always want to be a lawyer kind of
1: people always ask me that question and it's like a kind of thing so my my, my dad's a lawyer he okay. has his own law firm too so i knew i could always get i, I actually did work for him in okay. law school for a little bit yeah and actually in high school but uh don't think i really did much then but i always kind of like in the back of my mind like oh i could do law school could do law school and i went to florida state like i said and i you know just got some degree i basically majored in partying at that point right right and he was encouraging me yes yes florida state you know it is (laughs) so he was encouraging me oh go to law school you'd be a great lawyer great lawyer so i kind of did it because i wasn't really sure what else to do at that point it's yeah i mean it felt like I didn't want to go and it was miserable. I was like, oh, I'll try it out. And then I did really well first semester and I said, okay, I guess I'm doing this.
0: Okay. So you you, just, you you had nothing better to do, and so why not go to law school? You know, the great career advice. I, I told my son, you know what, if you don't know what you want to do, at least go to engineering school so that way you can be employable when you get out. And he's thinking about law school. Uh, maybe he's on the fence. I don't know where he is on that. He would, be, he would make an incredible lawyer. So at what point in time, how was your law school experience when it comes to, Now looking back on it and you do what you practice it, is it fair to say insurance law or real estate law? How would you describe your practice now?
1: Insurance.
0: Okay, insurance Insurance. law. So I want to get to to that eventually because, again, I went through your Instagram page and I got to know the answer to these questions. I know my listeners (laughs) want to know the answer to a lot of these questions, so we want to hear from you. But I'm also interested in the journey. So knowing that you landed now in insurance practice how did you make that that de- that, that that road? How, how, describe that journey from law school. Did you just decide you want to practice in insurance law or were those the doors oh. that were opened to you? Uh, I so don't you,
1: think anybody wants to practice in insurance law when it was law school. <laughs> like that's not a sexy thing at all. I think people think they're going to do criminal or family right. or litigation, PI. Those are like the big things people like go in. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Nobody's like, oh, insurance law. Like that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> that I, that never happens, almost ever, unless you know of insurance law beforehand. But I thought I was going to do corporate law. Like I said, okay. my, my father's law firm, he, he's a corporate lawyer. So I always saw him doing contracts and deals and drafting. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do mergers, acquisitions. Like, I, that's what I, I thought I was heading that path. Right. And out of, it's very difficult. I don't know if you know this to get a job in corporate law <laughs> out of law school. It's right. all white hair. Like, the people that have been working with these companies for years. I was like, not getting any traction anywhere. So, my dad said, try to get a job doing commercial litigation because then you're getting in on the lit side. Okay, You can make relationships with those businesses, blah, blah, blah. So I get a job at like a sized firm doing commercial law, or so I thought. They really didn't have much commercial law for me to do. I worked for a really, um, <laughs> I was about to say ancient, seasoned attorney who did all sorts of everything. And so we had all these cases and it was good because I got experience, but it wasn't really commercial, right. so and that firm that I, they worked that I worked for had a very large insurance defense division. So inevitably, a bunch of cases for insurance defense got plopped onto my desk, and as soon as it was more, and more, and more, and then it was basically all I was doing. And I just, I just like, didn't like it. So then I made a jump to a small firm because I was like, oh, I don't know if I really like this big firm feel. And I jump to a small firm doing plaintiff side, so not the insurance defense side. I was now represent, representing the homeowners. Okay, And I loved it. I was like, this is awesome. This is everything I want to do. This is fun. And that's how we got to where we are today. I actually did a video on this on Instagram. And I, I think I said that I didn't choose my practice area. It chose me.
0: Okay, interesting. Like it kind of just
1: fell out of new. Yeah, I fell out of nowhere. I didn't think I was going to do this. I really didn't even know about insurance law when I was in law school. There's so many types of law that they don't even talk about when you're in law school.
0: Isn't it weird looking back on one's life? And I know I have a lot more to look back on than you do. But nonetheless, it's weird how <laughs> you people tend to follow their hearts. I mean, that, that's true, right? The things that you want to do, the things that you're attracted to, right? You, you tend mm-hmm. to go in that direction. But also, you have these. Well, what doors are open? Because the mortgage company wants to be paid. I need to get a, I need to you know get money here. So who is hiring today? So it's, it's this combination of both factors, working on your life. And um, it's I always find it fascinating to hear other people's story. Now, again, we're talking about your whole law school experience, early career, and you have LSAT tip uh, uh, tips ideas on on your Instagram page. Now, I find this interesting because I thought I was going to be a professional LSAT taker. I, I loved taking the LSAT so much that Did you? Oh, oh my I loved gosh. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a game. It was like one of these fun games to play and I I took all the prep courses and, and then I realized Do you know who writes LSAT questions? Law professors and law professors are lazy. And so when they call them year number two to say, hey, we want you to write some more questions for us, they just take the same question they wrote the year prior and changed a couple names. But they ask the exact same questions every single year. Oh, this is the game. And so I really enjoyed taking the LSAT. Uh, when I got a chance to do the, um, to do the, uh, the take the second bar exam, the second year, I, I took it first in Kansas and then in Missouri. I said, I'm going to take the LSAT again. Even though you don't have to, you can just waive it because <laughs> you, you did so well the year before. I wanted to take it again. And so I actually have taken it three times now. Um, but what, what oh are your... Oh my gosh. Blood uh, torture. <laughs> what? Yeah, oh, you think it's torture? <laughs> oh gosh. I hated the
1: LSAT. I loved taking the bar. Bar was great. I hated
0: taking the LSAT. Now, but well, what are your prep? Your your tips? You give a couple tips for those that are thinking about th- like my son. My son is thinking about uh, going to law school, and so I'm going to try to coax him into taking the LSAT just to see how he does. Uh, <laughs> what would be your a couple tips for my son?
1: So, I mean, I would just say to take as many practice tests as possible. This is kind of where I failed and I didn't take as many as I should have because it's exactly like you said. They just switch around a couple details here and yeah. there. It's a, it's a lot of the same over and over. So you're just trying to solve the same problem. So taking as many practice exams, practice questions as possible, doing a prep course, um, making sure you sleep the night before an exam, people are so adamant about like last minute studying and getting another practice exam in. But I feel like you need to take that time to just, you know, sleep the night before because your brain's not going to function properly. And the whole point of it is to, you know, do well on this one exam so you can get into law school and also don't get so hung up on the score. I know people that, you know, took it three times and they got like a 158 each time, and they were like, "Oh, I want that 160." I'm like, right, yeah, right. Just, just apply. See what happens. Oh my you know, goodness. if you don't, it don't doesn't go well, you do it again next year. You know what I mean? It's not. You don't need that. I, you, know, you don't need Ivy League unless you're going to be on Wall Street, I suppose. But you know, don't take it to heart.
0: Right. Well, well, hard enough. Let's unpack a little bit about what you said there. But but first of all, I got to say I am an idiot, and so I just realized in hearing you answer that I confused the LSAT. With the actual bar exam, the multi-state part on the bar exam. You're probably thinking, Joel, why are you taking the LSAT in different <laughs> states? Are you an idiot? Well, what I am I missing meant here? Well, I took
1: it in different states. Like, you took it three times because you moved over to Kansas or something. A little less interesting. But, yeah, well, I appreciate the bar you not, exam is better.
0: <laughs> I appreciate you not calling me out as being an absolute idiot. I have no idea what I'm saying, but I, I'm just old, apparently. And I was talking about the bar exam when I really should have been talking about the LSAT, because that's what my son is preparing for but nonetheless yes. pretty much everything else i said was true right because the uh, people who write lsat questions also write the bar exam questions and it, it is a game that that is played here's another story that i found out i i know two people that both took the lsat one of them scored like a 170 and the other one scored a 145 and today the person who scored the 170, I'm not sure is even practicing law anymore. And the one who scored the 145 has had a case before the US Supreme Court. So sometimes you just don't know uh, how yeah, well you're going to exactly.
1: do Exactly. See, that is what the ELSA has no bearing on how well, how, how good of a lawyer you're going to be, how well you're going to practice law. Right. That's why I tell people don't take the score to heart. No. take what you get go to law school.
0: And do you want to go to an Ivy League or do you want to go to a state school? Well, here's a question you should be asking. Where do I want to work and do I want to have Mm -hmm. debt, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody really wants to have debt. But if you, like, 135% are like, I want to work on Wall Street for these big Fortune 500s. And I want to be, blah, blah, blah. Most of the time if you're going to do that at law school, they look for the pedigree right. because you know they don't have time to see if you're going to be good at practicing law or not. They just want somebody like, oh, you went to Harvard. Okay, great. You can do this. Right. Right. You know, versus like any other kind of law where it's, you know. But if Western you know, shift.
0: if you like the beaches in Florida, or for me, <laughs> you love freezing your butt off here in the Midwest, you go to the local state school. You're going to get every opportunity to practice law mm-hmm. in your location. Now, if I want to go to New York city, yeah, I, I might be disadvantaged because of my KU uh, law degree, but nonetheless, uh, maybe not. Maybe it might be a uh, not too many KU grads are, are in the market there in New York City. I don't know. <laughs> You're, it's just not really that much of a hindrance, especially several years out. Uh, so what? So then you are practicing now in insurance law. So um, uh, how, how does it look for you on a daily basis? Are you doing? Is this primarily a litigation type of practice, or are you counseling people on the insurance that they should get?
1: No, I leave that up to the insurance agents. It's mostly litigation. So when we, when the homeowners have damage in their home, like say a hurricane, tropical storm passes or a, a pipe bursts in their bathroom, they've got a claim, they report it to the insurance company, um, sometimes they use public adjuster. If the insurance company denies or underpays the claim and they're not willing to, you know, uh, work with the homeowner to pay for the damages and then I review it and I think it should be covered, okay. then I can take that case to litigation.
0: All right. Well, let's yeah. um, uh, let's go through here some of your your um, articles you have on your Instagram page to kind of see mm-hmm. what your your take is on, on some of them. So the first one I noticed was ways that insurance will rip you off. Things to look <laughs> out for in property insurance. So what, what is your thought there? Because I I, I want to know. It's my thought the insurance companies are looking to rip me off. It's kind of nice to see that you are giving some agreement in that area. By the way, before you answer, I will tell you, have you heard what the three lowest respected professions are? In in I
1: have not, right. but I'm assuming it has to do with insurance.
0: Okay. Insurance agent is one of them. Uh, oh attorney, probably, that, that does not surprise you as well, and then <laughs> lastly, a car salesman. So those are the three lowest respected professions <laughs> out there. And so um, when I was an undergrad, I sold cars for Frank Ancona Honda, and then after I graduated from undergrad, I sold co- insurance for country Companies insurance, so I actually sold property insurance, and then, of course, now I'm a lawyer, so I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. I have no idea what's next in <laughs> store for me, but... <laughs> Hey, you know what? What's
1: number four on that list? <laughs> I guess
0: run for office. I don't know, but nonetheless. <laughs> All right, so but what um uh, I, I'm I'm certain insurance companies are there to rip you off, but what what is your take on w- ways that insurance companies will rip you off?
1: I mean, it's just the, the the basic way, right? And it's not even like they're not well. I don't want to say they're not intentionally doing it, but people don't know what's in their insurance policy. It's like a hundred right. pages long. I mean, some of them are fifty, but no one's reading it. No you don't know what's in it. there people think you get an insurance policy. All right, well, I bought a home. I got an insurance policy. I'm covered. And then they have a roof leak and the insurance company comes out and they say, well, actually, it's not. And I read this. So I had somebody. So, so I know we talked earlier about class and whatever. This law student sent me an excerpt from his insurance law book. Yes, he's actually taking insurance law. I have no idea okay. why. And it said it seems that when the, carri- when the insured is buying a policy, the carrier wants to make them think that everything's covered. But when right. they put in a claim, it's like, they're telling them that nothing's covered because there's all these exclusions yes. that nobody talks about. Nobody ever looks past the first page of an insurance policy. And the first page just says, oh, you're covered for this and not for this, this and not for this. But then they don't tell I any, if that was the only thing you needed to look yeah. at, there'd be no point in the rest of the policy. There's, there's, you know, all these other pages. So if you open up, The policy, you actually go to the second page, third page, and on, there's going to be a list of exclusions that say, actually, we don't cover for wear and tear. We don't cover because your roof is old. We don't cover because, you know, something's going on for a long time, even if you didn't know about it. So people don't realize these things. And Then they get ripped off because they think they're covered, but they're
0: not. You're making me sick to my stomach because I, I th- you're speaking the absolute truth. Uh mm-hmm. it, I recently had a, a litigation matter over an insurance policy, and uh, and I was looking for the place of the policy that actually says this is what we cover. I think I finally <laughs> found it was like a half of a paragraph, and then there was like not even 40 pages of exclusions. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And I'm the lawyer, right? I'm trained in the law, I've been practicing for over 20 years. I struggled with trying to figure out, okay, is this actually covered by this policy or not? How in the world is Joe Schmo out there, is Joe Sixpack, expected to understand what's covered by an insurance policy? <laughs> He's when, not.
1: That's why they're getting ripped off. Yeah. Cause Cause you, they, know, they know the consumer doesn't know what's in there, but they're selling it like, oh, look, look at all that we cover right here. But don't look at the rest of the pages.
0: Okay, here's another thing that actually gets me in mind. You're getting my blood boiling right now. But nonetheless, <laughs> they, um, the insurance agent is going to tell you, yes, it's covered, period. They, that's what they tell you. Oh, it's covered. Oh, yeah, you want to co- you, know, you, you need to be covered for the, all these perils that might happen, right? That's what Patrick Mahomes and Rogers are saying mm-hmm. on these commercials. You need coverage for it. And the insurance agent, they'll say those kind of things. I know. I've been trained as an insurance agent. I know what we were trained to tell people. Yes, it will cover for whatever <laughs> happens to you. And then you file a claim and you realize, not so fast. So what, yeah. is a, what is a homeowner supposed to do in, in that situation?
1: I, I've been trying to rectify this. Like the whole – not the whole reason. Half of the reason I started posting all these videos on Instagram about what to do if you have a claim and, you know, excerpts about insurance law is because I, I feel like the homeowners – well, the, the consumers in general, the policyholders need to be educated about what actually is in their policy because nobody talks about it. And right. I, it, I, you know, I'm not placing the fault on the insurance agents, but nobody really walks them through and explains that this isn't covered. This isn't covered. They just say, Oh, well, if you have a roof leak, it'll be covered. Well, yes, in some circumstances, but in others, it won't be. So it's, you know, that's not really made clear. But again, the insurance company, or the insurance agent works for the insurance company. Right, the right. insurance broker would work for the homeowner. So it's like, you know, they're not trying to tell you not to take a policy. So makes sense.
0: Well, let me tell you this story. You might enjoy this story. So I had a case recently where I represented this um, this organization on an insurance claim matter. They, uh, they filed a claim with the insurance company. The insurance company denied that claim. We filed a suit uh, against the insurance company saying you owe us for this money. And they said, no, for whatever reason, uh, we're not going to cover that claim. All right, so we, we actually lost at the district court. He gets appealed to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. At the Fifth Circuit, they says, yes, you should win. They should have covered this claim. Let's send it back now to determine the uh, the amount of damages. So we actually argued it. We briefed it. We won at wow. the Fifth Circuit. So we go back, and we're on the eve of trial now to determine the level of damages. Do you know what we found out on the eve of trial my client never bought the policy. It took oh all the way Gosh, up. It, Oh no! No one caught it. it. And At this point in time, the other wow. side—they're screwed because they had already filed briefs and argued before the Fifth Circuit saying, "Yeah, they have—they have this policy. They purchased the policy. It's just they don't have coverage for these other reasons." The Fifth Circuit issued a ruling saying, "We are covered by this policy." No one bothered to check to see. Did they actually purchase the policy? Oh
1: my gosh. And apparently, wow. the answer
0: was no, but they were stuck with it because so the case quickly settled after that. But nonetheless, um, wow, it's it sometimes even the lawyers don't actually read the policy. But, um, all right, what, what <laughs> about COVID? Have you had any experience with uh, is there insurance coverage for COVID related issues with the, the property? Oh
1: gosh, now you're opening a can of worms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that has been such a nightmare, and it's really been for business income insurance. Right, exactly. So like, you know, business by the insurance they, in case we had to close down or whatever happens, right. you know, the you restaurant burns down you they still get their business income covered. But in and I don't know what it's like where you're at, but in Florida, a lot like most of these policies have an exclusion for viruses. Right. So it says if any kind of damage or, uh, you know, shutdown cause not shutdown. That's not the right word to use. But, you know, if your business closes, because of virus or bacteria related like illnesses, you're not covered. So you have to get the insurance companies are pointing towards that to say nope. No coverage for
0: COVID. You would actually have to get that part of the policy that would cover some type of bacterial coverage. But right, even in right. those policies, and again, I've, I've looked into this a little bit, there actually has to be some kind of physical damage mm-hmm. to the property itself. So is the fact that there is a virus, whatever that virus looks like, get a microscope out, you say, yes, that virus, it's sitting on your counter right there. Is that causing damage to the property? And then is that, uh, is that coverable under the policy? And yeah, that is,
1: the, that is the argument that is happening in district courts and trial courts across the nation right now, whether it should be covered or not. And then there's even, you know, there's, I mean, California, I'm sure you've heard, they're trying to pass laws that say the insurance company should just cover outright and that they'll be right. reimbursed. I mean, there's so many things that people are trying to do to get these things covered because they've been closed for so long. But, I mean, there are some policies that don't actually have that exclusion um, for viruses specifically. So, you know, they're going to court over whether or not the presence of COVID is actual physical damage. To the right. property, I don't think it could be.
0: So my thought is, again, since I I don't really have that many clients in this area, we're we're gonna play the waiting game. We we filed our claim. We're just gonna sit back and wait. We know where the statute of limitations is mm-hmm. gonna run. You know what that time period is. Let's let the other people litigate this and spend all the thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars with expert witnesses litigate this matter. And then at the end of the day, after they kind of set some precedent, then we'll come in and file. You know, uh, pursue our claim through litigation and maybe get a settlement uh, or not. Yep. But we uh, my clients have the ability to kind of wait this out a little bit and see how things play out but it's a it's a fascinating area because you did have a lot of governors local you know officials ordering shutdowns and so mm-hmm. if they order you to shut down now you have an order by the government to shut down and a lot of these policies cover that kind of scenario but it still has to be for a covered law so there has to be some kind of damage right. To the property at some microscopic level. So, if you're an expert out theory when it comes to you know uh, viruses, and if you can come up with a theory on how that virus actually damages the property, even at a microscopic minute level, I know a lot of the lawyers would love to hear you know hear that analysis because they can yes, use course. that uh, in, in court. And all you right. know
1: what I read? I was reading that the virus exclusion came about. That's in all these policies all over the place. Oh. It came about because of the uh, SARS outbreaks that were happening early two thousands in Asia. So all these businesses in Asia were getting shut down because it was the same thing there: quarantining, shutting down, government shutdowns, and there was all this litigation in Asia for these big insurance companies. And I guess you know, insurance companies love to, you know, talk to each other. Oh, what do you, what, you know, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? So they saw what was happening and started adding these virus exclusions.
0: So um, you also wrote this article: How to know if it's good property insurance. And so, what are what are your thoughts there?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, There's so many things. I, it, I think it really comes down to being educated about the policy. So okay. knowing what exactly is covered. But I, I think what's more important is knowing that you need to take care of a problem, being aware of any issues. You know, I can't even tell you how many times I've had clients come in to me and be like, oh, yeah, I saw that stain for months on the ceiling that's not good. Long-term <laughs> it's, damage is not covered. You know what right, I mean? I'm like, right, you need right. to investigate, to, You know, take care of your house, maintain, you know, make sure that you're aware of what's going on, you know, things like that. I think that's important. Uh, making sure you know of any limits to your coverage, the right. exclusions to your coverage, just knowing, getting a little more intimate with what the, the actual policy, what you need to do. Cause there are also conditions. Like I said, you have to promptly report the right. loss. If you don't report as soon as you know there's an issue, then the insurance company can deny or claim whether it's covered or not. You know right. what I mean? So there's exactly. so many things to be aware of.
0: I had a situation, this is actually a personal story, where I own some rental property, and um, this is a house, and our tenants moved out and we were going in there and fixing it up and I had to do a lot of repair. I mean, I replaced the carpet. I re- did a whole new paint job. We did a lot of flooring work. The downstairs area was all finished basement. So, you know, I know you're in Florida. You have no idea what I'm talking about, but trust me, <laughs> but in the Midwest, you have things called finished basements where you ha- you have a basement and it's not a swimming pool, but nonetheless, um, I did all this work. The last, I'm not, I, the last thing I had to do to this house was to fix the pipe underneath the sink, the kitchen sink, all right? So I go in there and I fix that pipe and I leave that house. And I'm I'm telling you, I am done fixing the house. We're going to put it back on the market. Apparently, I turned, I put on a knob that was bad, uh, and so okay. it broke and water spewed out of that for three days and drained the, uh. the entire house. it was a uh, you know the the bottom floor and the the basement was all covered in water. And so the insurance company comes out there. And, uh, you know, they said, oh, yeah, we're going to cover this and all this kind of stuff. And they said, you got to hire someone to come in right away to dry the place out. And then they just happened to ask me, so um, do you live in this house? I said, um, no, it's a tenant. Oh, how long, is the uh, tenant not, how long has the tenant been out? I said, oh, uh, for a couple know. of months. I didn't realize I was screwing myself right there. Do, do you know where yeah, I'm going with this yeah. story?
1: Yep, yes. yes. Vacant, vacant property is not covered over 30 yes. days or 60
0: days sometimes. Yep. They said, no, it's a vacant property, and so it's not covered. I'm going, what? Of course it's vacant property. I bought tenants insurance. It's going to assume there's going to be periods of vacancy. No one yeah. told me it's not covered during the in-between in periods. Uh, and so and that kind of leads me to this title you wrote, What Not to Say to Your Insurance Company. Uh, <laughs> I'd assume that something like, yeah, it's been vacant for the last six months is not a good thing to just open up and offer off the cuff. Uh, make sure there's a deposition first before you say something like that. But um, any other thoughts on what not to say to an insurance company? Uh,
1: yes, this has been going on for a long time. Or I don't, you know, it, it, I always tell people if, if you don't know for sure, if you're not an expert on how long something's been going on, don't say how long it's been going on. because The insurance company will try to use that to deny coverage Good every time. You know, saying things like, oh, yeah, well, it looks like it's, you know, just really old or it's just, you know, it's deteriorating, <laughs> right. things like that. That's not covered either. Definitely not, you know? So it's, it comes down to, I mean, obviously don't lie to your insurance company. Right. That's never going to help anybody. But but if you it, don't know, don't, don't guess. That's what, exactly what I'm saying. Exactly what I said in that video. If you don't know, don't say anything. I say, I don't know.
0: Yes. Get oh. your
1: people out here to figure it out.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's almost like the mm-hmm. burdens on them. They're the insurance company. There's damage. Make them prove it did not happen the way it appears it, it, it happened, which is, you know, the lightning storm, the strike that hit hit the house last week. Uh, so right. Interesting. All right. So that's, uh, by the way, in our situation, we actually did say we, we were able to go back and look at well, one no, of the person actually moved out on this date. I kid you not. We survived by, I think, one day. We actually had documented no proof way. the person was in the house. I think it was a 60-day window, whatever it was. I think it was a two-month window. And we had documented proof that he was in the house on the 59th day. So we said, suck it. You're going to have to cover this claim. But <laughs> we were nervous.
1: But see, backing up, though, backing up, if you had known that, you right. know what I mean if you had known that when you had the policy, oh, we can't be, you know, vacant for more than sixty days, that would have been in your mind. All right, well, this guy's moving out on this, you know, on the first, and we got to get this all done, you know, before oh. X days pass.
0: I would have put, you know I would have I mean? run my sleeping bag over. I would have slept there the night Come before. Soon. Absolutely, <laughs> we would have done something <laughs> to not keep me vacant. And they also alleged,
1: exactly,
0: they also alleged that I was committing fraud. And I said, really? Because I, I got to tell you, I'm not in the fraud kind of mindset. But let's just say I were, wouldn't I have done that? the fraud before I spend 30 grand fixing the house up. (laughs) I'm thinking I would not be a good criminal if I did it in the reverse order like that. But you know what? Usually. Yes.
1: But I think the insurance companies throw around the term fraud a little too frivolously. Yes, there is fraud, but it's, you know, more times than not, people are just nice people trying to take care of their house.
0: Yes, exactly. Not the
1: fraud realm. And a lot of the times I hear fraud and it's exactly like what you were just saying, where they say, Oh, this looks fraudulent. And I'm like, you know, why the heck would this guy fix up his house and then flood it? Right. You fix it and you flood it first and then you fix it up. That doesn't make any
0: sense. <laughs> right. It did not make sense. And I got to admit, looking back on it, I was kind of mad that I did it in reverse order, but nonetheless, it's a, that that's actually what happened. Um, but um, all right. So you also wrote this, how insurance companies scam you. Uh, any, any thoughts on that?
1: So that kind of ties back to what we were saying before, how they, they kind of, Scam you by telling, like, hoping that you're not going to know what the insurance entails right. truly. Um, and also, kind of hoping that you never really need their services that you never pay out because a lot of people are just afraid right? to report. They're like, oh, I don't want to claim that. And then they end up paying insurance for 30 years and their you know, carriers make 150 grand off of them over that time and they never put in a claim for anything. It's great if you don't ever need it, right. but if you do, use it. You know, they they bank off of people not using it, not fighting any kind of coverage determination. if something gets denied improperly or underpaid. Yes. You know, they, they kind of bank on people not going after it. Because a lot of the times, you know, they send out an engine, they being the carrier, will send out an adjuster. And the adjuster might say, oh, well, this damage is worth $1,000. It's under your deductible. Right. But then you go and get an estimate from some, you know, roofer or plumber, whoever it is. And they say, well, actually, this job's gonna cost six grand, so it's over your deductible. You need money from the insurance company, so it's you got to know when to fight it. When there's actually when there's coverage, you need to know that you can get the amount that you need.
0: Now, I do think you have to make a determination on your side. uh, As when I say your side, the person who bought the insurance policy, so the homeowner. Now, I'd be curious Mm -hmm. as to your position on this, as the lawyer involved, but as a homeowner, if you make a claim. At a certain point, you're going to get canceled. You just have to recognize that. I, I sold insurance. I, I, I unfortunately, I, could, I remember I convinced this one person to to cancel their policy with. I didn't want to mention names, but it was a nationwide. Carrier and I said no, cancel them. Come with us, even though you've been there, been with them for ten years. Come with us, we have a lower rate. They filed mm-hmm. a claim within the first six months, and then we canceled them within a couple weeks after that. Uh, and so it's like, right. really, I convinced this person. Now I got to go tell them that they've been they've been canceled. Do you have any kind of rule of thumb you use as to when you would pursue a claim, knowing so that tried, you might get canceled? I've tried to talk to a lot
1: of like agents, and brokers here and there, and it seems to be the general consensus that. If somebody has multiple claims in a short period of time, that's kind of like a red flag. And if repairs are not made, if you can tell repairs are not made right. and haven't been made, you know insurance companies will drop you. So you could take aerial photos now. Like I have a lot of people that put in Irma claims. And then didn't do repairs right away because they're fighting or whatever the reason is. So, you know, a roof's been sitting there for a year or two with damage. And the insurance company gets these aerial photos every year. and says, oh, look, they still have this damage. And they'll try to cancel you because it's a higher risk if there's damage. Or if you have multiple claims in a short period of time, you know, oh, this house is defective. We may, you know, just cancel these people. So that's usually what I look for if somebody has multiple claims or if they've had existing damage for a long time that hasn't been fixed then I'm like, hey, this might be a red flag. You should know that you may be, you know, non renewed or they may right. cancel
0: your policy. Yeah, just know mm-hmm. there is something. I, I do know there is this distinction between catastrophic claims. So, yes. you know, it's, it's a like here, it's a roof damage that was done. Well, you know what? Every other house in this entire subdivision had rough claims. And so they're not going to cancel you. If they are going to cancel mm-hmm. you, they're getting out of the market. That, that's not what they do. But if you dropped a firewood on the carpet and you filed a claim for a grand, yeah, you might get canceled. I mean, they're going to cover that mm-hmm. claim because you dropped firewood and burned a hole through your carpet. But you're also going to be looking for a new insurance company next time around. Uh, just keep in mind that is definitely that that thought is out there. It's alive and, and well, and so you want to make sure your claims right. are are legitimate. Um, what about this one? Do does your home insurance cover an Airbnb? What, what is your thought behind that?
1: <laughs> it actually does not unless you have a, a rental policy. So you know when you get a home insurance policy, that's your primary residence is different policy than if you have a rental property. So you'd need the correct kind of policy and you'd have to tell, and if it's short-term rentals as well, you need to disclose that to your insurance company. All
0: right, let me back up here, they I may was, not cover short-term. Let me back up. I think I might've asked it the wrong way. So let's say I'm staying okay. at Airbnb. Uh, ah,
1: so it, if you're staying at an Airbnb and say your, your, pro, your suitcase or your belongings get, right. you know, you know, damaged for some leak or something. So in that case, Airbnb actually has, um, something that will cover you okay. so Airbnb insurance will cover you as a uh, somebody who's staying as a guest. okay, but if you're renting your own house on Airbnb, then I gotcha. there's some other things you got to worry about
0: so just normal, if you are renting out part of your house as an Airbnb and there's damage because it's caused by that, then your insurance company might not cover that damage if it's being done by a renter. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, so you just said something about part of your house. if it is part of your house, if you're renting out a room, right then, you know, you, you can, I, I'm i pretty sure, but, you know, talk to your insurance broker, but you can rent out the property for the Airbnb because it's still your residence. Okay. However, if you're renting out the whole house, you would need a special policy and you have to tell the insurance company, hey, this is an Airbnb. I'm renting this out because there's higher risk with short-term rentals. they are higher risk with rentals overall than your primary residence because, you know, residents will take care of their homes better than renters, but especially with short-term rentals because things tend to get you know, damaged more
0: easily with, with Airbnb. I think that the the tip there that you alluded to is call your insurance agent. And I would even follow it up with a uh, a memo of understanding, a letter to them. And that, that would become an exhibit a in a trial. Cause I do know what Mm -hmm. agents tell you don't necessarily, it isn't going to overturn what's in a policy, but it will probably induce a settlement along the way. Uh, or maybe just have them point out where in the policy it actually is covered. Uh, not, not a bad tip. Um, all right, well, lastly here, well, actually, before I hit that, so any other thoughts on the advice you want to give to people concerning insurance law, things I need to, be, to look out for, be weary of?
1: Well, since this is across state lines, I don't, you know, I don't practice outside of Florida, but I would just say read your policy. Know what's actually in those pages behind the first page, not just the dollar amounts that you're covered for, but what you have to do as a homeowner and what is not covered at all under the policy. It's my number one for
0: everybody. So let, let me ask you this scenario. Uh, let's say that, um, I, obviously, nothing you are saying or that I'm saying it constitutes legal advice. Um, we also have that disclaimer <laughs> on our podcast, but <laughs> you never know what some idiot out there might think, oh, they're actually giving real legal advice. No, we're just talking, Schmack. You'd have to give <laughs> us a call and then enter into some kind of conversation with us, and then maybe it might be considered legal advice, uh, but you know, not just what we're saying on a podcast. But nonetheless, let's say that... Um, uh, you know something happens to your house, or there's a claim for whatever reason, and and it's being denied. Okay, under general rules, if you sue your insurance company, will your fees be covered?
1: In Florida, okay, yes.
0: So in Florida, in Florida, your, your fees. Some covered.
1: states, though, there are there the fees are not covered, and right. it becomes a contingency.
0: Yeah, because then obviously you'd have to get paid a percentage, have to pay a percentage out to the um uh, your your lawyer for what you do recover, right? Like Florida, personal injury. All right, employee, you are you are good to go. All right, so now, lastly, I do have to know this: what is your favorite lawyer movie?
1: Oh my gosh, *Legally Blonde*.
0: That uh, was gonna ask. Uh,
1: obviously. That.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say *Legally Blonde* or my cousin Vinny. You would go *Legally Blonde*.
1: *Legally Blonde*, a hundred thousand percent. My dad told me to see that okay. whenever it came out, like two thousand. One or two thousand two or something, and I was young then, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna be El Woods," and <laughs> people actually call me El Woods now. Really, so was like defining moment. Yeah, in law school, people call me El Woods. I was El Woods for Halloween. I love it. <laughs> Embod[y] El Woods. I think she was significantly underrated, but it's it's coming it's coming back. People are you know starting to see.
0: Okay, now I have to know this. Uh, do you have a dog in your purse?
1: I do not have a bruiser.
0: Okay, you don't. Uh, yes. All right. So we're good. No, there. no bruiser. Right. If you look
1: at my Halloween costume. I posted it on Instagram that I have a, a little stuffed chihuahua.
0: Oh, you put bruiser. okay in your purse. All right. <laughs> no, I, I've been wanting to do that with my wife's dog. It's a uh, Shih Tzu, and kind of kind of stuff it in some kind of handbag and carry it around. But um she won't let me. I don't do think
1: that. they say stuff. I don't think he stuff i think you just
0: place it okay that might back. be the more appropriate thing to do <laughs> yeah my dog is a black lab so not exactly as cute as one of those small dogs are but nonetheless all you right like
1: a backpack
0: yes yeah, so have you watch any um uh lawyer tv shows
1: you know what's interesting is i'm watching broad church right now have you ever heard of it it's a british tv show
0: no i haven't
1: it's like a murder mystery type okay. thing. it's on netflix and i just kind of started watching it on a whim and the second season is is like a trial. Okay. So it's really interesting to see. I mean, and, you know, lawyer shows are always like, you know, puffed up and nothing's ever right. And you're watching, you're like, that evidence would never come in. But it's kind of cool to see it from the British perspective and how they do everything over there.
0: Bra- All right. I'll, I'll watch that. I've been looking for a new yeah. show to kind of binge watch. Uh, check out Broadchurch. I, I do love it, as you pointed out, watching lawyer shows and trying to point out what is the most idiotic depiction Of the legal (laughs) profession. Probably my biggest one is when at the beginning of the show, some murder or some event happened. You go to commercial break, you come back from commercial and they're seating the jury. He was like, no, it, it doesn't happen that fast. <laughs> Normally it's, it's not that afternoon.
1: <laughs> oh, you know what I did watch on, it's also Netflix, I believe, a uh, trial of sh- the Chicago seven, Okay. a true story yeah. about the protesters back in the day. That was also great too. And it was it's supposed to be pretty accurate too. So I'm like watching all this and it's like, that was, that trial was, was nuts. Like it was chaos. And so I'm watching that and you know, I'm watching it with my boyfriend and he's like, could that really happen? And I right, was like, right. not today. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in today's world no that doesn't happen anymore
0: <laughs> all right I'll, I'll check those two out all right, well, thank you so yeah, much for your, your time today appreciate you on and good luck there and uh the sunny area of, of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I guess enjoy. We'll go out there and try to shovel our snow while we are. Um... I was
1: just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: While well, you shovel. Think your of wife's me here. when
1: you're think of me at brunch at 80 degrees and you're shoveling your snow there.
0: You, you chose it. <laughs> oh my goodness! How I'm gonna have to talk to Brooke. Why did we schedule a Tampa Bay Gronkowski Brady loving person? <laughs> we gotta get better timing on this stuff, but. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I do appreciate it. Yeah,
1: thanks, Joel. Good. Good
0: to be on. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess Sean Wynn and fifteen five Features for making me sound way better than I actually do, Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us, and Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support.